Support for Podcast by Night is provided by Midnight Syndicate. To learn more, please visit MidnightSyndicate.com. pathways for you. Um, I mean, if you can think of anything that is crafted or made or artistic that by God, you, you can do it. I mean, there's painters and musicians and poets, you know, those are all like the more standard, like when people think Toyodor, you're like, oh, they're like a great singer or they're a great sculptor but you can there's so many more different things you can do you could be a dancer of any sort uh, from ballet to hip-hop um you could be a rapper you could be a tattoo artist you could be a youtube video maker or oh my gosh you could be a podcaster whatever it is it's something you are serious about and it's what you're passionate about and you don't care if the old guard thinks it's art or not that doesn't matter to you that is your life so for anyone who wants to try the artiste toreador path that there's so much room it's just so wide open and there's also especially like i just think when you were saying the dancers from ballet to hip-hop and t tattoo artists actually and youtubers being living in la if you've ever been on Hollywood Boulevard at night or, or in any um, red line station, that's our subway. <laughs> one of them, but yes. <laughs> one of them, yeah. It's the, it's the only underground one, I yeah. think. Yeah, but even at the Grand Central, you have like essentially buskers, and they're there at all hours. Mm -hmm. So it's not a far stretch to, to look at that as inspiration for, for playing that artiste and still being able to get out amongst the mortals because, yeah, it's just – People accept it. They're like, oh, there's a guy with a sign and a dog and playing his guitar. Well, you know, hey, but it's midnight. So, yeah, could, could be a Toreador. Could be a Toreador. Uh, I mean, one of the advantages of living in L.A., but, I mean, even, like, being in New York or London or any of those big cities, is, is there's such a huge art culture and of all different types. And there's always going to be that one part of the city that is very bohemian that one part and everyone knows where it is sometimes there's more than one i think la's got more than one because it's so sprawling and it's so everywhere but you'll always have that bohemian part of town and that where it's open at all hours and there's all sorts of crazy crazy stuff it's like rent 24 7 there and that's going to be a torridor hangout and that's where you'll find those artists and those posers too but these are all Toreador are not limited just I think my my bigger point is Toreador are not just limited to the fine arts it's you know I, I I know I know we've done it several times over in our game and I may have to put the kibosh on it because of it like weapons makers as Toreadors because people who can craft especially those old style guns or swords you know there's a craft and an artistry to that and they would still be toreadors but you know other toreadors may look askance at that like seriously you make a gun that's that's not real art but you know therein lies the argument yeah and so for going the poser route i mean yeah the gates are equally as wide open especially and you know in this town everybody needs 
a, a funder. You know, everybody needs an organizer. Everybody needs a marketing team. And these are definitely things that job can be tailored towards. I mean, like coming from my speaking from my personal experience, coming from film and television, uh, I used to work in the production office. And let me tell you, it's like everybody in that office could be considered a poser because in one way or another, they're supporting the artists. Some of them were secretly wanting to be artists themselves. Don't they always? But they were the ones making it happen. You know, it's like you've got the so the idea of like a, a rainmaker or tastemaker um, can go both ways, artiste or poser. So it's just as relevant. And it's not always just the people who fund the arts that are the posers. Sometimes it's people who at one point in time were considered artistes. Their art was considered to be the hot new thing. And then they fell out of favor and they had to figure out something new. So those those can be posers. Uh, people who thought they had artistic talent and they didn't, they can be posers. You know, the people who are just pretty, you know, it. I hate to say it, but it, it's the first thing that popped into my head. It's like Kim Kardashian. There are days I just look at her going, really? Really? Like, why are you famous? You're famous because you are pretty and you somehow made a brand off of that. And while uh, there's that part of me that's deeply disgusted by that, uh, it's also ingenious. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. It's absolutely ingenious. Yeah. And it's this idea that there's nothing artistic there outside of the makeup artist she employs and the and the and <laughs> you know the people who help her put together her wardrobe and keep her fits you know right. like those are the artists but she is making the most of what she's got and and I think opposers in that vein you may not have the actual artistic ability but you make the most of what you got and doing that, you are helping to control fashion or the arts or social media or what have you. But you're the people who are really spinning culture and you're making it happen. The artists in some ways are beholden to the posers because taste is in many ways set by them, not the artistes. That's the other thing with a lot of posers. You could also be, you know, they call them the worst there are, but critics and and that's very true and so as a player i would say i would almost like to put a shout out out there a little challenge if you will to the players of uh, vampire the masquerade to embrace the poser try you know instead of going that the Anne rice route if you will try being that guy that's behind the camera or the guy that's using the real artists to make one's fa oneself famous and calling it art. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's, it's a little harder to play. I think it's a little harder to pull off, but there's something about the poser that is, can be very rewarding if you do it right. And if you, um, if you use that to your advantage, you know, the fact that you're the one who's creating the spin and, and shaping the story and making the dialogue, then you're, then you're really playing the game at that point. And, and those are the characters who can really play the political games because an art, an artiste tends to, you know, I'm just care about my art. Why do I care about, you know, who's in charge and who gets what feeding grounds? I don't, but a poser, a poser can, and a poser will. And those are the ones who you will most often see just 
blossoming in um, a highly political game. And that definitely, as, as you guys have probably gathered right now, that there are no two Toreador that are alike, and no two Toreador will ever agree on what qualifies as beautiful or art. And that's part of the fun. I mean, this clan is probably, you know, like, like Jen said before, it's like it's the easiest to really dive in with in regards to, the, or other than the uh, Bruja, in regards to the humanity of it, because the sky's really the limit. You can create a Toreador that, you know, if you, if, if you, if you, you know, say that you're some guy and you've got like this really, this dream of being this really fantastic, innovative art, then, you know, create it. Like that, that's you, that's your, the Toreador. Boom. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, you know, just have fun with it. It's, it's one of those clans that because of its loose internal structure, you really do have a lot more freedom to roam around the court. You know, you don't have to be stuck with making buddies with your own clan mates all the time. You can... You can be the court pal, or you could be the uh, the villain if you want. I mean, just yeah, the sky really is the limit. It's a it's a great non cookie cutter kind of clan. And with that in mind, uh, now we get to the part where we're, we discuss all these crazy concepts you can run with in Clan Torridor. And right, and and well, speaking of cookie cutter, <laughs> <laughs> and by all means, these are not the only concepts. These are just more like, as we said, we throw these out there because they're more like ideas. There are there right. things that you can play with as you're making characters and go, hmm, how does this fit? Maybe I could take this and run with it. So first we have, of course, the total artist. Yeah, you're, you are the stereotypical Toreador. You're dedicated to your art, whatever it is, above all else. It is your driving passion and Outside of your nightly search for food, which, you know, sad but true, you still have to feed. It, it's it's the one thing that drives you. And sometimes it even drives you more than your than your search for blood every night. Yes, yes. You're, it's, it is the stereotypical guy in a painting smock or, um, you know, ink stains on your fingers from writing all night. Yeah, it's the starving artist. It is the, it's the Van Gogh. It is the, you know... Michelangelo, it is, you know, it, this is the stereotypical Toreador. And along that same lines, the next is the lover. You love all things beautiful, be they objects or people. Yes. Yes. You're always Venus. falling in love with something. <laughs> Venus herself would come down and you'd be like, yep, you're mine. I love you. Yeah. It is that idea of you are the person who falls in love with something, be it an art, be it a person, be it a movement. And when you're in love, it's your all-consuming passion. You want to, that that's where you're at. And because things go in and out of fashion, you can fall in and out of love quite a bit. Yeah, and I think that that's another good one uh, just as a starting idea to come with because, like you said, it could it could even be part of the mercurial nature of you as a Toreador to fall in and out of love because for you, it would be the love is the thing. The, and the, the object or objet d'art or amour is your... It, it's just what you put it on. It's like what you hang the idea of love on and that's, and, and that's kind of... That's nothing more. I mean, that's... That's actually a fun place to start as far as like flexing your RP muscles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's that idea of you're always in and out of something new and different. And that allows you to kind of touch a lot of things in a game. <laughs> Not in a bad way. <laughs> Not in a bad way. Remember, ask, ask first. first. 
But no, uh, it, it, it gives you a little, at least a little latitude for you to kind of experience different aspects of the game that maybe you are, it helps you as a player learn. And then next we have the critic, as we, we've discussed before. Yep, you're picky as hell about everything and you have high standards for whatever it is. And, you know, you're the one who's setting the trend as to what is and isn't appropriate. And you feel it's your duty to let everyone know about it. This this one and uh, oh and the next one they're definitely the critics definitely mostly um, involved with their opinion based on their expertise. It it is something like I have a PhD in this kind of art and that kind of art and I'm going to tell you about it because I know what art is and I can appreciate it. As a person who is pursuing her PhD in history and has to deal with art historians all the time, let me tell you how presumptuous many of them are. <laughs> oh Jen, our hearts go out to you. Oh, oh that sounds my awful. Lord. Yeah, no, they're just like and this is and this is a fine example of what Rembrandt was because blah 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 and I'm over there going, I just think it's a pretty picture. <laughs> and also too, because I'm a musician and outside of being a historian, I am a singer and I hate critics. I, I just own I hate critics because they're like, well, but you're a voice. You know, you had a little too much vibrato in this one space. I'm like, you know what? F you. F you so hard. I want you to get up here and hit those high A's. Come up here. Prove to me you can do it. I admit, critics, they annoy me. So, you know, if you want to be that person who annoys people in court, be the critic. <laughs> Man, that would that would be fun, though. And similarly, the, the next is the social butterfly. It's kind of the social equivalent of an academic critic. Yes. Definitely, you've always got something to say, whether the game is status or intrigue. You just like to be the queen bee in any social setting. Yeah, you're the person who, roll, who rules the roost, as it were, and you like being the center of attention. And these are the people who, more often than not, are going to be the harpies. If they're not the harpies, they're the harpy talons. They'll be the keepers of Elysium. These are the people who are, who want to be the center of the social scene. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, this is definitely one of those good harpy players because a lot of people and a lot of games I've played have definitely accused harpies of just being the plastics or the mean girls just based on attitude. So if that gives everybody just a bit of a, a hint on, you know, a little, little role-playing um, advice then uh, then there you go. Well, and you don't have to be the mean girl to be the social butterfly. You're just the person on which all of the social aspects hinge. No, of course not. But I've seen too many of those movies. To, oh, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just assume that people would be able to understand. Oh, yep, got it. Got a picture. And, and as a, again, another little bit of role-playing advice. If there is a player who does play the social or the social butterfly sort of stereotype, don't assume they're a mean person <laughs> because often they're a nice person. <laughs> they're just playing a character. Right. Well, I mean, you know, this just came to me that, you know, there's a representative of both in the, uh, the movie Clueless. Yeah. There is, there is a mean girl and then you've got, oh crap. See, it's not my favorite movie. Alicia Silverstone's character. Alicia Silverstone's yeah. character is a nice social butterfly. Yes. She, she's a nice social butterfly who thinks she can like fix everybody <laughs> so i mean so you got two examples in in one picture i think that's a good yeah. good comparison yeah so um 
the next example we have is the media mogul. And that I think in this day and age, in the 21st century, the media mogul is going to be the one that really resonates with the world we live in. Because whether it's social media or film and television or celebrity gossip or the news, you have a foot in the door of what is happening. And you're a great resource for anyone who wants to know about anything or hiding masquerade breaches when they occur. And considering how media just drenched we all are nowadays, I think, again, I think this is one of the easier ones that people in our day and age would relate to. I think even more so than when we were younger first playing this game. Because seriously, I I, I mean, I know teenage media moguls right now because they have such a con uh, uh, an idea of how to use you know, Instagram and Twitter and social media and spin it. And, and I'm over there just like, I like following like Lin-Manuel Miranda on Twitter. That's really where my level is, but they're like making whole businesses out of that. And the, this is a great concept for a, a very youthful neonate Toreador who, if you, if that's the world you, you, peruse in real life if that's where you're coming from this is a great character concept for you absolutely uh and this next one i would think this is the one that you and i can both greatly identify with i don't know what because, you're talking about <laughs> not at all because as, as a as opposed not opposed to but along with the total artist and the lover and the critic as sort of stereotypical toreadors this is the one that i think people hold up as a poster child the emo Byronic romantic. Yes. Yes, that, that brooding little goth boy in the corner that is sad, bad, and dangerous to know. I always think of bringing this back to like eight, uh, like 80s and 90s movies. I always think of Christian Slater's character in Heather's. <laughs> like he's sad and he's bad and he's dangerous and he's just brooding in the corner. Yeah, no, that's that is the the Byronic, you know, stereotype that a lot of people slap on to Toreador. It is the, is that, you know, gothy, romantic Heathcliff character um, that either makes people weak in the knees or roll their eyes, depending on who you are talking to at any particular point in time. Um, and of course, this could all be a facade for whatever they're truly scheming. It could just be they're, they're playing a part because... They know you won't take it seriously, but behind the scenes, they, they got this whole other thing going on. I mean, how better to hide your true nature than by playing a caricature? Or, to add a little more to the ennui, you are just some gorgeous goth kid that got embraced because they looked good at the time, and now you're stuck that way. Uh, hold on, I got a stapler for my hand somewhere. You know, I, I need a chaise lounge so I can, like, flop on it elegantly and my my fainting couch is right and over my here. velvet my black velvet and you know my my eyeliner <laughs> which you know i mean i don't know how the longevity of a character like that would be but that would be hilarious <laughs> to see somebody come in and just totally 100 percent dedicate to that role and just and just see how far it could go and you know it's it's such a caricature for vampires and and goth yes. society because vamp vampirism yes. is very intimately tied to the goth subculture and so it'd be funny because you are that that emo goth kid who gets embraced and you walk into actual vampiric society and they're like yeah no that's not how we are 
It, it reminds me of that. I don't know if you've seen this, but the uh, the Key and Peel episode <laughs> about the jock that got embraced. Yeah. And he's like, you know, oh, we're all sexy. We're vampires. He's like, why do we have to be sexy? <laughs> Man, I, I I like wearing what I'm wearing. So do I have to get a, a black velvet shirt? No? No. Okay, good. I'm good. <laughs> and I mean... You know, I, I we both I, I, I we both had our our gothy misspent youth. I remember one too many uh, goth clubs with you and being um, a little having imbibed a little too much. Um, <laughs> we had we definitely had our misspent gothy youth, but you know there gets to be that point where you're like, you know, I just don't want to wear like my velvet shirt and my eyeliner. Can't I just go in yoga pants and a t-shirt? I mean, the the now forty something part of me agrees with that <laughs> sentiment, yeah. but yeah, but I'm all, in the back of my mind. I'm thinking, you know, I'd love to break out that velvet shirt every now and then. <sighs> what are the kids wearing these days? What kind of music is there now? I know. You know, but one of I, I do listen to one of my favorite. Um, it is like the dream podcast for goth talk, in my opinion. The the Cemetery Confessions. Shout out to the Count. You're awesome. I don't know who you know or who you, you, you know, to, the formula that he used to get actual relevant goth information of the goth subculture is like, I've been waiting for this guy for a long time. So, yes, it's still out there. It's still alive and kicking. So oh, yes. check that out if you're of the, if you're so inclined. We are always fans of supporting our fellow podcasts. And yes. The goth subculture is still alive and kicking for all of you who, who want to imbibe it. I, I highly recommend it. Absolutely. And you get to learn how to be a little bit more Toreador. And you can learn how to be a little bit more Toreador. Um, and then our final um, archetype, if you will, that, are, are, that we kind of pulled out for Toreador is that of the misunderstood genius. You are brilliant at what you do, but few people truly get it or get to you. You create things that are amazing, sometimes even ahead of your time, but few people ever really get it. And all you want is to, I want to do is create what you want and how you want without kowtowing to the whims of the populace and the critics. Oh, brother. It definitely could be like something like, I don't know. I There are people that love Andy Warhol, but this is what I think of. <laughs> He's what I think of when I hear Miss Misunderstood Genius. You know, I kind of dig Andy Warhol. I was thinking much more of Dolly, and I love Dolly, but there's some Salvador Dolly paintings. I'm just like, what the ever living crap is that? Okay, all right, listeners, here we go. It's and so it begins because I love Salvador I love, Dolly. I love him too, but and I think that his work was not just ahead of his time, but the guy it was, spoke to the generations of of. What is it? The 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 misspent, um, underappreciated, disenchanted, you know, Americans, or if not the world. Yeah, you know, I, and I don't disagree. <laughs> I love Dolly. I do. There's just some of his paintings. I'm, even me, I'm just like, eh, I don't know if I get this. I don't know if that's necessarily speaking to me. I mean, there's there's so many people <laughs> like this. Um, Orson Welles. Orson Welles is like this. I uh, you know I have like many friends who are you know film students who that many of them will say wells was a misunderstood genius he was so far ahead of his time and i, I mean i've only ever briefly dipped a toe into the realm of film and i'm like yeah i can see that totally I, there are many of his films that i enjoy i love citizen kane but then like 
his last film he did, which um, they just released on Netflix and within the last year. And I was sort of going, what? <laughs> I don't know what this is all about, but I understand for film nerds, this is a big deal, you know. But it's that idea of a person whose genius for their art is so big that, you know, you as mere mortal will never understand totally. You'll not, you just don't get it, man. You just don't get it. Totally underappreciated in your town. Totally underappreciated. You're ahead of your time, man. You're just just ahead of your time. Ooh, I just thought of something. What, what if you had that concept of the misunderstood genius, but it was while you were mortal, and then you're embraced, so the mortal world thinks you're dead, and then suddenly you're famous? You know? You actually get to see you, it You happen. get to see your own fame happen, and you can't ever acknowledge it, because you know what? You can't You're ever. dead. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like dead, and that's a masquerade. That that blends misunderstood genius with emo, with a little bit of critique because he's like, "Ah, that shit," you know. Suddenly, he's the the old curmudgeon Toriador in the corner. (laughs) I feel like I've sold out now. That's right. Oh, I'm so I'm I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to face the sunrise. Oh. (laughs) Oh man, Toriador. Oh yeah. So there, there, there you have it, listeners, dear listeners, the, uh, the few templates uh, that we've thought up to, to tell you about. Um, again, like we said before, the sky's the limit. These are more like guidelines. Don't think of the Toreadors as having any hard and fast rules, you know, except for the flaw, obviously. But, you know, other than that, have fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I have seen some great, great Toreador concepts come through. And even some not-so-great Toreador concepts that still worked really well. Um, like I said, this is a it's a great clan for for the new player. It's so it's just a great clan uh, because there's not a lot there's a lot of freedom to kind of move around. It's a lot of freedom to learn the game, and it's a lot of freedom for you personally to kind of you know find yourself as a role player without a lot of oversight. Um, I think some of the other clans like Venture or Tremere would be super difficult. But Torridor, you can just be like, whatever. I'm a Torridor. So we now um, we like every time every time we do one of these clans, we like to give some pop cultural references, some touchstones for you to kind of like get your groove on in terms of like, how do a Torridor? What are things that'll give you ideas or you know inspiration as you're playing the game? Yeah, get those juices. Get those flowing. juices flowing. Our our pop culture segment. And so the first one I put on this list was the it's such a Toreador movie it hurts. If you have if you're playing a Toreador and have not seen <laughs> one iteration of of this it's actually a book. But if you have not seen some iteration, movie iteration of this book, I'm like you get you put this podcast down right now and you go find it and you go watch it. And that's Dangerous Liaisons. Any incarnation of it you can watch Dangerous Liaisons. You can watch Valmont. You can watch Cruel Intentions. I'm not necessarily a fan of Cruel Intentions. I'm a huge fan of, of Valmont, though. Uh, Dangerous Liaisons was... At the same time Valmont came out, there was also a version of it called Dangerous Liaisons. So, uh, watch any of them. Doesn't really matter. Um, but this is like the ultimate Toreador guide. This is how to Toreador. It is a movie about two particular characters in uh, 18th century France before the revolution. So the height of like French Toreador culture. And 
how they're maneuvering against each other in this like in these weird ways to kind of you know get at each other because they they're lovers but they're not and they're always screwing each other over and these it's these weird social mind games if you do have not seen this movie you go go get a copy of one of them go watch it unfortunately cruel intentions is the only one of these i've seen oh, go watch Valmont. it's so good i will i will definitely but it is definitely the idea of like you said it is it is definitely a proxy war outline or guideline of dealing with information misinformation use of blackmail or betrayal it really it really does you know if you you know especially with cruel intentions if you just kind of like put the the b story aside and just pay attention to the machinations yeah it's it is definitely that cruel intentions is like the modern retelling of the same story and next is my personal favorite uh, I'm, I'm sure jen loves it too but Anne rice anything oh yeah S- seriously interview the vampire i mean after i first read it and then we saw the movie and then every subsequent iteration of anything dealing with the vampire chronicles speaks to being a toreador i mean there's the the ennui the longing the passion um and and then even the vampire lestat he becomes an artist i think he already was because he created the theater de vampire you get but you get the idea it's like the the idea of dealing with this these very humane among the mortals culture of vampires also is in the in the collection of these stories oh louis louis always whining louis <laughs> oh yes and the snark and the snark oh yes yes i own that i i have seen interview with a vampire more times than it's probably healthy yeah you know i went through my Anne rice phase and uh now oh, i admit i haven't read a lot of her later stuff not even her more religious stuff which is kind of my jam nowadays but but yeah it's is if you want to know how 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 to be an, a stereotypical Toreador vampire just go read any one of Anne Rice's novels but interview is a great is a great primer I mean the relationship between Lestat and Louis is just at, at times hysterical and at times you you're just like oh my god this is I don't know if I can be a Toreador. <laughs> yeah, you you start to understand the world weariness of it. Um, so then I also put Vampire Diaries on this list, and I will fully own. I have not watched every episode of the series. I've only seen a handful because my friends were big into it. But it's one of those CW shows. For those of you who have not watched a CW show, it is a very CW show. It is. It is full of pretty, pretty people who are full of lots and lots of angst and there's lots of drama and they have all the feels and it's, it's honestly a show just all about Toreadors. I I love that there is, there is actually, you're right. There is a sub genre of television that is just CW show. (laughs) It's true. It really is. Because you're like, huh, what's the, what's the plot? Oh, that sounds like a CW show. It is a CW show. Yeah, I will definitely uh, back that up with um, my my wife and I. We we never got into the Vampire Diaries themselves, but we're fans of the originals. Mm-hmm. Not just because I'm a fan of New Orleans, but also because of just the the angst and the woe and the high drama. It's supposed to be the adult version of the show, but you know it's as just as angsty as the the next one. But in it, there are characters that, like, like um, Klaus is, like, an actual... He's, like, a classically trained painter. 
and I mean, you there's he's definitely the Toreador because he's trying to rule the roost. He uses lies and manipulation, but yet he's always at the easel. Yeah, it's it, you know, and then his brother plays the piano like a virtuoso. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, there are definitely definite comparisons uh, besides just being on a CW show. <laughs> True. Oh, I haven't seen this one. Have you seen this one? Uh, Only Lovers Left Alive. I have actually not seen it, but I have heard so much about it. Yes, me too. But so we're both bad. Yeah, we're both bad on this one. Um, For those of you who ever listened to Rose Sinister's podcast, she's a humongous fan of this. And last time she was in uh, at least sleeping on my couch, she was just like, Let's drink wine and watch Only Lovers Left Alive. And I'm like, it's like 1 a.m. now. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait, did you have to work the yeah, next day? I think day? I did. I don't remember. But... I was going to say, because otherwise, yes. Because <laughs> um, she was like, this must happen. And I'm like, you know, I got to go to work in the morning. But yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a, it's essentially a love story about two vampires in a toxic relationship you know they love each other but they got they got some issues they got some baggage and it's a good movie about vampires and how vampires who live for for centuries um how those relationships with each other progress especially as lovers but especially but it's also about you know, it it's also portrays them more humanely than, say, just the cold-blooded monsters. Not that they aren't. They're still vampires. Uh, but they're also vampires who have feelings and relationship complications. And how does that work? And, I mean, Tom Hiddleston's in it. Like, why could I, should I not watch it? <laughs> no, he's a great guy. Yeah, so... All right, well, I'm definitely putting that one on the list, too, with a bottle of wine. It might not be one in the morning, because I have to get up early yeah, myself, but yeah, yeah. it's going to happen. It will happen. And then, um, the this one I put on the list, and I know John's going to know nothing about it, but it's the Kushils. You would be wrong. Oh, you do? <gasps> John, yay! This is, like, my serious, like, my favorite novel. Well, you, oddly enough, the, uh... I would say the the proprietor of Rose Sinister podcast uh-huh. uh, also introduced it to me. Oh, I did. I I will admit I only got to like halfway through and something else shiny caught my uh-huh. eye. But I I do plan. I still have it and I plan on getting back to oh, it. Oh, you need to. You need to got like it. and the and that is the Kushiel's Legacy series, or I put it in here Kushiel's Dart. So for those of you who have uh, not heard of Jacqueline Carey's series of novels, go read them. There is in total nine. I think there's a total of nine of them in there. And I I read every one of them. I went to her book signings. That was how much I love these novels. These are like some of my favorites. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty pretty. St- it hits me on several different levels, but in terms of playing Toreador, this is basically there's no vampires in this. I should be very clear. It's it's not about vampires, but the culture and society that is introduced in this. It's an it's an alternate history fantasy essentially, and the culture and society that's introduced in this series would be very familiar to a Toreador. So it's this idea of an entire society where there is this reverence given to 
art and culture and intellect and sexuality. It, it would be like the Toyador playground. And the way that people interact with each other and the and the way they, they employ power and politics, I think is essential for a Toreador who wants to learn how to maneuver against a Ventru or a Tremere or anybody who's going to, who has a different perspective of it. In particular, I love the portrayal of the main character who, you know, a lot of the characters are, are female, but um, the main character it has to learn how to play the game of intrigue as a courtesan, essentially. And like, you know, how do I play this game of intrigue when I am a pretty face? How do I fight against people who are making direct political attacks against the, the, the crown using the abilities I have? I don't have a sword. I don't have magic. I don't have a, a gun or anything else other than the fact that I am absolutely beautiful and I have an incredible intelligence. And that's my weapons. It's my smarts and my looks. How am I going to save the day with that? And I love that that is kind of the spin for the first three novels of how you see this character grow and develop and become a hero in her own right. But the idea that she's using Toreador weapons, like this is how a Toreador would think through this problem. No, that's a great, great recommendation. And I'm going to, a lot of these, if not links, I'm definitely going to make a list of this to put in the show notes. So if everybody wants to like, hey, what was that book called? You can just, you know, go back to the notes and there you have it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. In terms of books that you can read in White Wolf for um, the Toreador, uh, again, we always say do your clan books. Always read your clan books. Um, Guide to the Camarilla. Uh, pretty much the Toreador are so enmeshed in the creation of the Camarilla that really you need to kind of read the Guide to the Camarilla to really get like the, Camar the, the Toreador and their whole place in this society. Especially with all the treaties and everything they they have to go through that they've you know influenced yeah so guide to the camaria dark ages europe any of the dark ages books the toreador are really in the thick of all of that um like we said with the church with the with the courts of love with the formation of of, of civilizations i highly recommend reading those lore of the clans again all this great information on the toreador i mean the Toreador, there is a lot out there in the White Wolf canon about them. And, you know, you don't have... They're not really hard to find in most Vampire the Masquerade books. Uh, they're so influential that, you know, you'll see them everywhere. Everyone from Victoria Ash, who is, you know, running around, I don't know, marrying Asimites or something, um, to uh, Francois Villon. Toreador's just crawling all over the place of of vampire the masquerade uh so yeah just pick up a book you'll find one awesome so there you have it everybody this is our quick and well i would say quick and dirty take on uh, the toreador this is about a deep dive into what it is to be a toreador and i hope we planted a lot of seeds for you to um to that hopefully will germinate and things for you to go find as far as um, moving forward in your role playing as a Toreador should you choose to play one. So give the clan of the Rose a try. You know, they are beautiful. They are intelligent. They are manipulative. They're a lot of fun. Just they're a clan to have fun with. So just, you know, go out, 
Dress in your red and black. I don't know why players like to dress in red and black for Toreador. There is no reason you have to, but just go have fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I would say, again, another challenge to seasoned players out there. If you think that, oh, I know everything about Toreador and, ooh, they're just fops and, you know, ne'er-do-wells, you know, revisit that. Find find something in there that would be a challenge to your role playing because I would say I, I I'm sure the same goes for Jen and people we used to play with a lot that with the resurgence of the masquerade, um, I'm definitely finding a different take on Camarilla society and there's just a lot more there under the surface that's a lot meatier than I saw before, especially in certain clans that I haven't played before or played that often. And uh, yeah, just just give it a chance, you know, see if you can't unpack something that's meaningful and deep to you as the player in regards to a clan that you may have written off. I think in many of the games I played in, the Toyota were easy for many people to poo-poo as being just shallow or flaky or, you know, they're uh, they're the, you know, people who get stuck behind while the real vampires go out and with their potence and fortitude and go beat shit up. And that's not true. I mean, Toreadors can be capable warriors. They can be savvy politicians. They can be just absolute beasts in terms of the influence game. They can control a city hands down. And they can do it as well as a Ventro. So, um, yeah, just kind of think through that. Like, Toreador don't have to be just silly caricatures. They can be absolutely intriguing characters. Okay, well, that's a wrap on the Toreador. Hey, Jen, if people want to get a hold of us, where can they find us? You can find us on Facebook at Podcast by Night. You can find us on Twitter at By Night Podcast. Or you can email us at podcastbynight at gmail.com. And we've also got a Patreon page going. Jen and I, you know, once our schedules sync up more, we're definitely hammering out some ideas for uh, our patron levels, which should be quite fun in the, the uh, weeks and days to come. I'm still rooting for us to do like a group watch of Kinder the, the Embraced and like do an episode of us commenting on it. I think that would be so amazing. Okay, okay. You heard it here first, folks. We are going to put a pin in that and we're going to make that happen because I think that's a great idea. I think that would be a lot of fun. All right, done, done. We've got we've got one ha- hammered out. So. All right, well, thanks you everyone for joining us, Jen. You got anything else to add? No, I I I, I am a very I'm a done emo torador. I need to go find my like sh- chaise lounge and a velvet blanket. Oh, oh, and I must wander the night with my beasts and see if I can't think through these issues that I've suddenly uncovered. Oh. Uh. So much thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening. I'm John Long. I'm Jennifer Wolf. All right. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.